All right, I am so grateful and thankful for the opportunity to preach to you, dear people, at Heritage Baptist Church. So thankful that Brother Fong has allowed me this privilege, and I uh, just want to tell you how much I appreciate his ministry and his dear wife, Grace. We're so grateful uh, that God has allowed our paths to cross, and uh, thankful for your church there. Uh, I want you to know that Heritage Baptist Church has a wonderful testimony and uh, that your pastor is respected uh, just far and wide, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thankful for him, thankful for you, and grateful that God has given us in these difficult days this opportunity uh, to have uh, the type of uh, technology that I can stand here in Idaho and yet deliver a message <clears throat> to those of you there uh, in California. So I'm just hoping that God will use this message tonight and use it to speak to your hearts and mine as well and, uh, and uh, look forward to what God will do with us tonight. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Daniel in chapter number three. We're going to go in a regular uh, portion of scripture that you're familiar with and uh, so we want to do that. My name, by the way, is Pastor Dean Herring and I'm the pastor of South Valley Baptist Church in Cuna, Idaho. And so uh, I'm grateful again for this opportunity. Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in this very familiar portion of Scripture. And, and we'll, we'll start in verse number 13. Let me just catch you up to date with what's happened. The King Nebuchadnezzar has made a decree. And in that decree, he has said that everybody in his kingdom at a given time, the, 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 the image that he will unveil before them, uh, that they all must bow down and worship the image that, that he has set up before them. Now historians tell us that the image was actually a, a large statue of himself. And so here's Nebuchadnezzar in an attempt to, to verify and prove the fact that he is a man-god like most of the uh, pharaohs of Egypt uh, consider themselves deity, and even later, the, the emperors in Rome, uh, like Augustus, began to claim for themselves deity. Here is Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and he has is, he is, uh, decreed that all the Chaldeans would bow down and worship the image. As soon as it's unveiled, uh, everybody must worship. And so we pick up in verse number 13, because three Hebrew children, three Jewish boys, that were brought into captivity, Shadrach, <coughs> Meshach, and Abednego would not bow. And, and so here it is. And by the way, can I, can I say this? It's one thing to worship God in the confines of, of a Christian home or even in a good Bible-preaching church. It's something else entirely when you are on a job or in maybe a family gathering or some place to where uh, the people there do not agree with you and do not share a like faith with you, <clears throat> you stand out sort of like a sore thumb, we would say. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so here we are at the unveiling of this statue, <clears throat> and the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow to the image that Nebuchadnezzar unveiled before them. They're, they're brought before Nebuchadnezzar, and then we pick it up in verse number 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And they brought uh, these three men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall uh, be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego basically said to King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even have to think about this. We want you to know that we believe, number one, our God is able to deliver us out of your hand. But if not, if God was to choose not to deliver us, we want you to know we're not going to bow anyhow. And so they were very strong in their faith. Well, this just got Nebuchadnezzar more angry. And so we find in verse 19, let's read there, then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were cast bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire, and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, verse 29, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their, uh, shall be cut in pieces and their home shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. 
And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather here and to preach to this dear church, our friends at Heritage Baptist Church. I thank you for Brother Fong. I thank you for his wife, his family, those that minister in the church. We're grateful for them and the testimony that they have all the way here in Idaho, Lord. I'm, I'm grateful. I pray now, Lord, that you would speak and bless. Would you use this message to encourage hearts, to draw us closer to you? Do the work, dear God, in our midst that you would do. And we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. I pray these things. Amen. It's an interesting story and one that we're very familiar with. And, and there are some principles that are given us in this biblical account of these three Hebrew children as they face that burning, fiery furnace. And uh, I think that, that, that it's applicable to us today. And if we learn from these principles and apply them to our life, we can find help in our time of trouble. Now, I want you to hear me well today. I want you to know that your time of trouble will come. There's no way to escape that. Now, isn't that a wonderful thing? Aren't you glad you tuned in tonight to hear this preacher tell you you got trouble coming? But the reality of the matter is that's what life is like. We go through hard times, and, and thank God there's many wonderful times that we go through. But we do, we do suffer. We do go through difficult times and hard times, and there are times in our life when we are in trials and in, in times of, of great personal uh, turmoil and, and tribulation. Uh, and, and so those times will come. Now, the reality of the matter is I don't know what your time will be. I don't know what it is. A number of months ago in uh, September, I was flying back from a time that my wife and I had had in South Dakota going to the Battle of Little Bighorn. It was a birthday gift that she had given me, and I was riding on an airplane, fell asleep for a few moments, woke up, and was in intense pain. To make a long story short, my gallbladder went bad on me in the middle of an airplane flight. I want to tell you, it's the worst pain I've ever had. I've had cancer in my life, and and I had some other things that I've had to do. But the gallbladder, I want to tell you, it's a little guy, but causes a lot of big trouble. And he did so for me. And so I finally had to go through surgery that week and have that taken out. And it had perforated. So there was some problematic things with that and a little longer time in the hospital and recovery. But God saw me through it. Now, I don't know what your trouble is going to be. I'm sure you've probably already had some. I don't know what your furnace is going to be like that you're going to face. But the reality is, is that every single one of us, at some time or another in our life, we face a furnace experience, a time of hardship, a time of difficulty, a time when our faith is challenged, and it seems like everything around us is rising up uh, against us. It could be a financial crisis in your life. It may be the death of a loved one or maybe a physical sickness. It, it could be that a doctor has given you a bad prognosis and, and you're struggling. Maybe you're having to undergo treatments and maybe it's that lab work and things like that have become an everyday part of your life and you're having a hard time right now. It could be that you face uh, the loss of a job. Or maybe it's a loved one in your family that's going through a different, uh, a very uh, difficult time uh, and, and you're having to walk that path them with them. It, it could possibly be that you woke up one morning 
and you're facing a day that you never dreamed you would ever face. And if you could just push, reach out and, and push the button on your life and reboot your life like you might reboot a computer and, and it all be gone and it all be done away with, you'd do that if you could. But you can't. And the furnace is hot and the furnace is real and you're having to go through this difficult time. The reality is this, my dear friend. You and I have no power to choose what the difficulties of our life will be. We just have to deal with them as we come. And, 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 and God allows things in our life that mold us and make us and teach us to trust him better than we ever have before. And there's some things we don't have the answer to. And we won't until we stand before the Lord one day. And the question is, can we go on anyhow? Are we like the children uh, of Israel there, these three Hebrew children, that would say, we don't want to face the furnace, but if we have to, <clears throat> we will. And so here's the reality. Let me just settle this for you and me. You and I will face furnace experiences in our life. So the question is not, am I going to have to go through the furnace? The question is, how will you go through? How are you going to make it through the other side? Here's the reality. Listen, if you can't face the furnace experience, and I can't face the furnace experiences of life, we're not going to last very long in this thing we call the Christian journey. We're going to fall by the wayside, and uh, we're going to drop out of church, and we're going to become discouraged and depressed and disheartened because furnace experiences are just a part of the life that you and I must live. Now let me give you some lessons from the furnace. I like to study the scripture, and, and as I study it, I'll take a, a list out by the side, and I'll mark down lessons that I learn from this particular passage of scripture or this account that God gives us. And so I want to I I give you, in the, in the few minutes we have together tonight in this message, I want to give you lessons that we can learn from the furnace. First lesson is this, he saved them in the furnace, not from it. Okay? I want you to think about that. God saved them in the furnace, not from the furnace. I don't know about you, but I, I, I know that, that in my life, I don't want trouble. I'm being honest with you. I don't want trouble. I don't want problems. And, and there have been times I've asked God, you know, Lord, don't let, I, I don't want to go through this. I, look, I'd rather just have an easy-go-lucky, happy life and, and everything be on the up and up. But the realization is this, sometimes God allows us to go through furnace experiences so that we can learn how to trust him. Let's think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And the Bible tells us that three times Paul went to God approached God and asked God if he would remove that thorn in his flesh, and three times God said no. And why did he say no? He said to Paul, I want you to know that your weakness, in your weakness, is where you're going to discover my strength. So I want to remind you that, that in the hardships we go through, that's where we learn how to trust in God more than ever before it's in those furnace experiences. And, and you find that lesson, by the way, repeated over and over in the scripture. Let's take Daniel. Daniel. Daniel went in the lion's den. God saved him in the lion's den, not from it. 
it wouldn't have been a great testimony for God, for Daniel to be able to go to the next fellowship meeting and said, hey, guess what? The king was going to throw me in the lion's den, but God, God cut the whole thing away from him. No, that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. In fact, the Bible tells us that Daniel spent a full night in the lion's den. But you know what he found out? In that lion's den, God shut the mouth of the lions, and Daniel found out that his God was greater than the decree of the king, greater than the rage of roaring lions, that God was able to protect him from it. And the king came the next morning and said, Oh, Daniel, is thy God able? And Daniel said, Yes, king, my God was able. And what a beautiful, wonderful story that is of how that God saved Daniel in the lion's den uh, and shut the mouth of those lions. I think of, I think of the, uh, Matthew chapter number 8 when Jesus sent the disciples into a ship to go to the other side. And when they got in the ship, they started heading to where Jesus had told them to go. And what happened? A storm arose. And, and, and the Bible said that Jesus was up on the hillside watching the disciples. And so uh, here they are. They're in a raging storm around them. And all of a sudden, thinking they're going to die, they look out and they see this ghostly apparition walking across the waters to them. And, and somebody said, that's Jesus. And remember, Peter said, if it be you, Lord, bid me to come to you. And Jesus said to Peter, come on. And Peter walked out of the boat and walked on water. You know what happened? Jesus didn't save them from the storm. He saved them in the storm. And listen carefully to me. Had that not happened, they would have never seen his power over the wind and the waves. So Jesus stood there and said to the wind and waves, Peace be still. And the disciples said, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? My friend, listen to me. If you're in a storm tonight that's raging across your life, can I tell you this about Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the master of the sea. And the wind and the waves lay down at his feet like a docile puppy. I want to tell you, Jesus is able to speak peace in the midst of your storm. He'll save you most of the time in your storm, not from it, because he wants you to see his power over the elements. I think then of Acts chapter 12, how that Peter and, uh, and, and, and Barnabas, uh, uh, excuse me, Peter and James was, uh, uh, Peter and John was in jail. And, and you remember what happened? They were singing at midnight. And, and what happened to them? Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, Jesus uh, in his power came to them and broke them free. The angel was sent and broke them free from the prison. He saved them in the prison, not from it. In jail, he delivered them, not from jail. And then he went and knocked on the house, and remember Rhoda came to the door. She was shocked that it was, that it was Peter. What a great story that is. Jesus, most of the time, listen, God saves us in the storm, not from the storm. It's over and over we find that in the Bible. So lesson number one, most of the time, more often than not, God saves us in the furnace, not from the furnace. The second lesson I want you to notice is that furnace experiences do not necessarily reveal God's displeasure with you. I think this is very important. The furnace did not reveal that God was angry 
with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, it revealed the exact opposite, and that is that God was pleased with them. The reason they were in the furnace was not because God was mad. It was because they were obeying the Lord and staying faithful with Him. I think that's a, You know why Daniel was in the lion's den? Because he was obedient. You know why Peter was in the jail? Because he was obedient. You know why the disciples were in the storm? Because Jesus sent them there. And so it's not, uh, it, it's not uh, that God was somehow angry at them. Now here's the deal. We've been told so many times by televangelists and other people that like to turn the scriptures to fit their agenda that if you have sickness and hardships and difficulties in your life, you must have done something wrong to make God angry. That's not true at all, my dear friend. I want to tell you that, that, that um, just because you're having a hard time in your life, did you know this? It might not be the displeasure of God. It could be the compliment of God. Can God trust you with hard times? He did Job. He trusted Job. Job didn't lose everything he had because he was a bad man. He lost all that he had because he was the best man on earth. But God gave it all back to him. I'm just simply saying that the furnace that you're in right now, don't let Satan lie to you and tell you that the reason you're going through hard times is because God is angry with you. It could be that you're going through hard times simply to test and strengthen and stretch your faith. My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache, but in my soul, I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He worketh steadily, but the dark threads are as needful in the master's skillful plan as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he's planned. I'm going to tell you something, dear friend. It's in the hand of the master that God can take those dark threads and make something very, very beautiful out of them. And it's important that we learn this truth that when we look our furnace in the faith, in the face, that we have the faith to continue. And move forward for God. Somebody said, you'll never know the value of the anchor until you feel the weight of the storm. And you'll never fully appreciate God. Listen carefully. Until you go through experiences in your life that you realize you can't make it through without Him. Look, this, this furnace experience, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they couldn't have made it through that without the Lord. There's no way they could have survived this. And you're going to go through things in your life. You're going to look back on those experiences. You're going to realize, if God had not been with me, I never would have made it. You'll learn some things in your furnace experience. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way. and Left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow. And not a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. I want to tell you, I faced times in my life and hardships in my life. The death of a grandchild, the death of several grandchildren, the hardships of life, physical sickness, things that, that, that broke me and sucked the breath out of me. And yet, on the other side, I can look back and I know that I could not have made it without the Lord. And I appreciate Him so much more because of the hard times I've been through and I've learned so much more about Him. If all of my life was just sunshine and roses, 
I want to tell you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know God as I'm able to know Him today. And so in the middle of your storm, I want you to know, just because you're having a hard time doesn't mean that God is displeased with you. The third lesson, and that is simply this, the effects of the furnace vary. The effects that the furnace have on people varies. And what it all boils down to is, do you know the Lord? Are you trusting in the Lord? Are you aware of Him? To those that were right with God, it was a stroll, a Sunday stroll. Here, Think, think of the picture there. God, God uh, allows them to be thrown into this furnace experience because of Nebuchadnezzar's rage. And Nebuchadnezzar walks over and looks down uh, in, into the furnace experience and he says, Hey, how many did we cast in? And they said, Three. And he said, We got a problem. I count one, two, three, four. And the fourth is like the Son of God. You know what happened? The thing that was intended for their death became the greatest monument to their faith that they ever could have imagined. Their, their death became their walk of life. And in the middle of that furnace experience, they were alive and well, and it became a monument to God and I believe that it became a place not only dear to them, but a place that was famous to those heathen that would remember, hey, I remember the time years ago when Nebuchadnezzar had three Hebrew kids thrown in there and they came out alive. Oh, I want to tell you what a great testimony. What a great testimony to God. And I believe that, that, that our most productive experiences in life sometimes will be the hard ones. You know, if we could make a graph and the high times are, you know, they're the successful times and the low times are the hard times. I believe when we get before God, that's going to be inverted. And the times that we thought were the worst, the hardest, the most broken will actually be the times that we were higher and closer to God than ever before. Can I tell you this, dear friend, that God is in your furnace with you, just like the Hebrew children just like what they experienced. You're, you know that Jesus is called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He knows what you're going through. He sees your tears. He knows your hardships. He knows what it's like to suffer in this world. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You know, the Bible says that they brought the three Hebrew children out of there and, and, and they didn't even have the smell of smoke that had passed upon their garment. What a testimony to God. What a God that can not only deliver them from the fire of the furnace, but not even the smoke had passed upon them and, and uh, affected their bodies. However, there was a group that did not know the Lord. And it really, all it boils down to is who do you know? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew the Lord. They were cast into the burning fiery furnace and they came out alive. The men that brought them, the strongest men in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, they perished because they did not know the Lord. The, the heat of the furnace killed them. Isn't it interesting, dear friend, that, um, that, that these guys that were, that, that, were, that were cast into the furnace, that did not know the Lord, were, were destroyed by the very fire that was intended for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And so here they are. They've been called out of the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar said, would you, would you guys please come out? And they, they came out of the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar made a great decree to them. Think of, think of Daniel's, Daniel in the lion's den. The men that had Daniel thrown in the lion's den, they were slain by the very lions that they had intended uh, to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so I just want you to know that, that, uh, that, that God is greater. Now here's something funny. Nebuchadnezzar threatened them and he said this, listen, if you don't bow to me, I'm going to have the furnace heated seven times hotter than it's ever been heated. That's a, why does that matter? Have you ever thought about that? You know, if he throws them in and it's only heated one time, they're dead. Seven times, they're dead. Doesn't matter. So whether seven or one, you're going to die anyhow. But, but that's how Satan works. He tries to threaten you and, and to make you believe that if you, don't, if you don't bow, if you don't bend, and you don't yield to his pressure in your life, then, then uh, sure enough, it's going to be really bad. But I want to tell you, if God can deliver you out of any furnace, he can deliver you out of one that's heated hotter than ever before. And so here they come out of the furnace, not even smelling like smoke. Let me say the fourth lesson, and I think that this could be, in many ways, one of the most important ones, and that is simply this. It's not important that you see the Lord in your furnace. I want you to think about that. It's not really important that you see the Lord in your furnace experience. It's important that others see Him. If you read this passage of Scripture, you'll find that while they were in the furnace experience, nothing is recorded of any word exchanged between them and the Lord. They were thrown in and didn't burn. They were thrown in, their hose, their garments, their coats, their shoes, nothing was destroyed by the fire. They were thrown in and didn't even smell like smoke. But nothing is ever said about the fact that they saw the Lord. The only thing we know is that Nebuchadnezzar and all the captains and the host, they saw the Lord in their furnished experience. Now, can I just say this to you? You may be in a hard time today. It may be, I mean, the furnace may be really hot in your life. Can I tell you the most important thing in, in all of your difficult time is that others can see the Lord in your life. That others know that he's walking there. And people may say, boy, pray for, pray for brother so-and-so. Pray for, pray for this one. Pray for that one. They're going through a furnace experience in their life. Do we fall apart and get rattled? Or do we allow other people to see Jesus in our lives? And that's, a, that's such an important thing. Here's the reality. I want you to think about this for a moment, would you? The world judges God by you. That's a, that's a sobering thought. The world judges our God by how we respond in our troubled times. Nebuchadnezzar looked at, first of all, the first thing Nebuchadnezzar said to these boys, if you recall the scripture, he said, I want to throw you in the furnace, and who is that God that will deliver you out of the burning fiery furnace? Nebuchadnezzar, who's your God? I don't know your God. I don't care about your God. Who is the God that will get you out of the furnace if I throw you in it? Now, after their fiery furnace experience, you know what Nebuchadnezzar said? He calls God, he didn't call him Elohim, Jehovah Jireh. You know what he calls God? 
the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's true. The world determines how great our God is by how we respond in the troubled times of our life. So even though you may not know what God's doing, when you cannot trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. I remember years ago, I was going through a difficult experience, and one of my friends said to me, he said, Brother Dean, what's God doing in your life? And I said, I have no idea. And if he tells you, please tell me, because I don't know. It's not always important that we can, we can always figure out exactly what God is doing. We just know that God is always there, always working. Even in the book of Esther, the name of God's not mentioned but God's there in the shadows, always working, always working in every situation in our life. Last of all, I want to draw your attention to this final lesson, and that is simply this. The furnace will reveal what we really are. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't become the great young men that they were because of the furnace the furnace just revealed what they already were. They said, hey, you know what, king? We're not afraid. We're not, we don't even have to have a meeting. We're not careful. We're not, we're not pausing and hesitant to answer you if we'll bow to your image. No, we're not bowing. And we want you to know this, that our God is able to deliver us, but if not. You know what we ought to be? We ought to be but if not Christians. We, we, we ought to determine before the trouble comes, I'm not bowing. I'm not going to give in. I tell our people oftentimes, if you can take or leave church, sooner or later you'll leave it. And so we need to make up our mind before the, before the troubled time comes, before the furnace experience arises in our life. Hey, listen, the lion's den didn't make Daniel a faithful great man. Daniel was already faithful and great in the eyes of God. The reality of the matter is Job's difficulty did not turn Job into a faithful man. Job was the best man in the eyes of God in all the world at that time. So our hardships and our difficulties, they just reveal what we already are. And so let me ask you a question tonight. Are you in a, are you in a furnace? Are you going through a hard time? Is this a difficult time in your life? It may, it may seem like your life's come unglued. Can I make you a promise? God is right there in the middle of your furnace experience with you. You may not seem, but I pray that others will. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And listen, the power of the furnace, the heat of the fire, has no power over the children of God. God will get you through. Whatever God brings you to, God will get you through. I want to promise you that by my own testimony. There have been times that I felt like I could not breathe because of the circumstances of life, but here I am. I survived the furnace, and the Lord brought me through it. He'll do the same for you. Father, thank you for these dear people that hear this message at Heritage Baptist Church. I thank you for the opportunity just to share with them. <clears throat> and I think of the times in my life when I have felt the heat of the furnace. And yet, Lord, through the midst of it all, you've brought me through. I'm grateful for your power over our troubles and over our problems. And I pray that you would help each one of us, Lord. And I pray especially for those that are right now 
in the middle of a very difficult, heartbreaking time in their life, that they would realize that you will save them in the furnace, that you'll bring them through it. You're able to do that. God bless, I pray, as only you can. And help us, Lord, I pray, to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends.